Hello and welcome to episode number 219 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books and my guest this week is you, all of you, so much of you. I have email and letters and voicemail from all of you because you are hilarious. I have an update as to what exactly the hero in Defy Not the Heart learned from a prostitute all those purple leggings ago. I try not to crack up at your email messages, and I fail. I also try to describe a really convoluted Sandra Brown plot. I fail at that, too. Amanda joins me for a very short conversation about pets and cats and what she's reading. And, of course, my dog Zeb has a lot to say in the background because he only likes to bark at random leaves when I'm recording because that's how he is. I do want to issue a mild trigger warning starting at about minute 38.29 to about 39. Amanda is talking about a book that features murder and crime and violence against women. So if that kind of thing really makes you upset, you might just want to hit the skip forward button until about 39.15. You should be good. Before we get started, though, I do have two things to say. Well, actually more than two, but I'll start with the most important two. First, I have been asked by a couple of people how they should find and access podcasts. So I thought since you are a podcast listener and you know all the things, you could tell me. How do you listen? Which apps do you use? What do you recommend? If you could email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com, I'm going to put together an entry about this, but I would really welcome your input and suggestions because y'all know all the things. I also have some compliments, and this is super fun. For Alexandra Z, the limbs of your family tree, when viewed at the correct angle, say absolute legend and all the leaves point at you. And to Lee K, you are the human personification of excellent chocolate, perfectly baked cookies, superb wine, and absolutely no hangover. And if you are wondering what is going on, please have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. By listener request, I set up a Patreon campaign for the podcast for as little as $1 a month. You can help support the show and help me commission transcripts, upgrade equipment, make the podcast much more gooder, and all of your support is much appreciated. Our music is provided by Sassy Outwater, and you'll have all of the information as to who this is at the end of the show. And we also have an iTunes page that I would like to tell you about, itunes.com slash dbsa, which if you're a longtime listener, you know is the old name of the podcast. That page has recent episodes and links to the books that we discuss in the iBookstore. So if you are an iBooks customer, this is exactly your jam, I should think. You can see that at itunes.com slash dbsa. I will also have links to all of the books that we discuss Plus, this episode comes with some visual accessories. I have some pictures and a video that we mentioned during this episode. That will also be at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast, the most recent entry for episode number 219. There is epic cuteness, and you definitely do not want to miss this. So shall we get started with reading and listening to all of y'all, because y'all are the best? Let's do this. Hi, Sarah. This is... Kendall, and I'm calling to congratulate you on your 200th episode, even though it was about 15 episodes ago. I also was calling to leave a message about the book or books that turned me into a romance reader. So there's actually two, and the first one I think is the first romance that I can remember reading, and I was about 16. I have no idea how I found it, but my friend read it too, and we would talk about it endlessly in ceramics class, but it was called uh, The Rose, no, what was it? The, now I'm getting all of Virginia Henley. It was The Falcon and the Flower. No, it wasn't that one. It was one of Virginia Henley's books. Probably The Raven and the Rose. And I don't remember much about it other than that there was like a crazy love child and rape and historical detail. And I some, for some reason really enjoyed it. But then those were the only romance novels that I read for a while. And then, and then I stopped. And then again about Five years later, I came across Nora Roberts, and I read Sea of Light, and then it, that was history. So those are the books that turned me into a romance reader. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. Virginia Henley. Okay. A, I think it's hilarious that so many of her titles were The Predatory Bird plus The Piece of Foliage. So you have The Raven and the Rose and The Falcon and the Flower. And there's also my personal favorite, the pirate and the pagan, the hawk and the dove, the dragon and the jewel, 
I mean, there were a whole bunch of predatory birds and pieces of garden running around together, being rape-tastic with fuchsia covers. I have that same sort of, oh, I totally like that. And I look back at myself and think, well, why did I like that? I mean, I can think about it intellectually, but I also know that if I read it now, I would be so deeply horrified, <laughs> which is really a very strange form of affectionate nostalgia. I also love that so many readers have taken the turn from, I read this book and it was really fuchsia and kind of rapey. And then I found Nora Roberts and all was well. Like, that's, I think, one amazing legacy for one writer to, to leave. My younger son is currently really into the first Harry Potter books because he's just about at the age where he can really appreciate book one and book two and some of book three. And I think book four will scare the shit out of him. But it's fascinating to listen to him talk to my husband, who read all of the books, and think this entire world came out of one person's imagination and that there are people of multiple generations all over the earth who know who Harry Potter is. And in romance, there are so many readers who have encountered or been introduced to romance or found what they loved in romance through Nora Roberts. It's really cool. Thank you so much for calling and thank you for sharing that because um, now I want to go read the, the dragon and the jewel and the raven and the rose and start thinking of my own titles like the somewhat intimidating woodpecker and the ficus. And now I have an email from Kushali and I hope that I am saying your name correctly and if I'm not, I apologize. Dear Sarah, okay, so I'm probably from the younger side to get into romance novels and I've always been a big reader. I'd rather read books than do schoolwork or even sleep in some cases. I'm one of those that once I start a book, I have to finish it unless it's like epically bad, which I'll finish, but there's no rush. The only exception being Fifty Shades. I couldn't even get past the first chapter. I was rolling my eyes so hard. Anyway, I've been reading romance type stories ever since I can remember, starting from those cutesy teen love stories to reading my first Harlequin when I was, I think, 12. I think my cousin introduced me to them when I had just outgrew all the good things to read at the library and being eight years older I'm not sure why she thought it would be a good idea to give a 12 year old a Mills and Boone book to read because let me tell you for a long time I had a skewed view of romance and love and was all like I need a man to sweep me off my feet and magically fall in lust and love with me and I am definitely not like that however I still do enjoy reading those books from time to time Harlequin has a special place in my heart. However, the one book and author that resonated most with me was Judith McNaught and Paradise. I have to pause because I love that book. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, happy sigh. That was the first book I read of hers at 13, and oh my god, I fell in love instantly with the story and the characters and the writing, and while I clearly didn't understand the relationship problems to the full extent, I appreciate a lot more now that I'm 25. I think I pretty much loved most of her books, except Whitney, my love. Still couldn't get past that one scene in the book, and even at that age, I knew that wasn't right. And then when I got older and read it again, and it confirmed to me that, yep, still not a fan of that book or this type of romance when the guy is an epic dick, even in stories now, that immediately turns me off. That being said, I have one friend who loves books as much as I do, and also reads romances, whereas when you mention it to other people, friends and family alike, there's a lot of judgment like, oh, you read romance. Like, why is that a bad thing and shameful? Like, romance books aren't seen as real books, which is bullshit. And this isn't something you get from mainly guys, but also other girls. I just find it incredibly strange. You are not the only one. Anyway. Okay, now I need to say that I read a lot of books, a variety of genres, yet I still prefer romance books or books that have some sort of romance and relationship aspect. Like this one book series by Casey Hill, which is a mystery slash suspense series about a forensic investigator, I would highly recommend the first book, Taboo. And initially I was in it for the plot and the interesting story of the first book, but I'm not going to lie. I stayed around to read the rest of the series to find out about the incredibly slow burn romance between the two characters and like hoping something would happen. Does anyone do this? Stay around for something in a series and not necessarily because you're excited for the actual story as a whole, but because you want some sort of conclusion and closure of one tiny aspect of the series? Thanks for reading my long, kind of long ramble, Kushali. Okay, yes, 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 and yes, I have stuck through many series where I could not have cared 
any less about the, the mystery or whatever it was they were dealing with or the big bad or whatever giant evil was going to come and take their powers away or whatever. I did not care about that. I did not care about that at all. But the slow burn, I am here for all the slow burn. And I love how I can often find it in a mystery series, even when I don't care about the mystery. For example, the new uh, Sherry Thomas series where Sherlock is a woman. I have gone on and on and on about this book, so I will not subject you to all the things I like about it. But the tiny, tiny glimpses of what's going to be a pretty powerful, I think, emotional resolution. Oh, that is so my catnip. I love a very good slow burn. What I especially love, and I suspect that you're like this too, I like when the slow burn is revealed in tiny moments that aren't meaningful until you realize what's happening and then you go back to read them over again and all of a sudden they have like 10 times the emotional impact because now you get it. Like those were moments where he was totally into her or she was trying to communicate something. Oh goodness, I love that. I even went and looked up a couple of lists of slow burn romances that other readers have generated. And the funny thing is, I look at some of them and I'm like, well, it's only one book. That's not really what I would consider a slow burn. Like, even though I don't really like following a series because I don't always trust that people have an end in mind, I especially like slow burn over multiple books because then I know it's really, really slow. But I can say if you're looking for more slow burn, The Hating Game by Sally Thorne is very slow burn and also enemies to lovers. A lot of readers have also recommended The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata, which is A, a very long book, and B, a whole mix of tropes like uh, professional sports, personal assistant, uh, enemies to lovers or friends to lovers. I know that I'm not going to be the audience for that book because I have, to be completely frank, too many deeply, deeply negative feelings about all of football to suspend all of those feelings long enough to enjoy the book. I would love to, but I know it's not going to be my thing because my deep and complicated loathing of all things football is much too much to get over. Also, Slow Burn, Bet Me by Jennifer Cruzy has a very good slow burn. It's only one book. And now I'm now I'm going to chase my own tail and question, can you have a slow burn in only one book or is a really good slow burn over multiple books? Huh. Now I'm going to have to think about that. So if, if you happen to see me walking around with my dogs and I have this really puzzled look on my face, that's probably what I'm pondering. But either way, thank you very much for emailing me and for sharing the book that made you a true romance fan. I hope you're reading something absolutely excellent right now. Ready for more email? Okay, here we go. Dear Sarah, I know it's going to take me weeks to share my story because I will get interrupted or distracted 50 times, so I'm emailing instead of leaving a voicemail. Anyway, it starts with my grandma, who was a romance writer and a writing teacher. More a teacher than a writer, really, but she did publish some medical romances in the 60s. So I knew about romance books from an early age, but I also sensed that what grandma wrote about was not appropriate and that being a romance writer was not like a lucrative or upwardly mobile career. Grandma had a lot of story ideas that stayed in the filing cabinet. Nevertheless, apparently a number of her students got published, which I discovered to my horror as a preteen when I plucked one off the shelf at Grandma's house. I noticed first that it was dedicated to my grandma, which was awesome. Then I read the first few pages and, well, it was very upsetting. Not only because there was hardcore sex on page one, but also because it painted such a depressing picture of adult relationships. See, this woman is fantasizing about having illicit public sex at a racetrack with a stranger while she's actually having boring sex with her boyfriend, and she makes the mistake of telling her boyfriend what she was imagining, and he shames her and leaves. In retrospect, this book may not have actually been a romance. Who knows? I've never seen it again. The way a whole grandma plus romance novel stigma plus graphic and depressing book thing came together put me off romances for a long time, or so I thought. But looking back, I have the neighbor's older teenage son to thank for setting me back on the romance reading track because while I was babysitting the younger kids one summer, he gave me some Piers Anthony fantasies. I'm sure his tensions were pure and not inappropriate at all, which led to Mercedes Lackey, which led to Tamora Pierce, 
And eventually, when I got out of grad school and got back to reading for pleasure, I easily moved into reading romantic fantasy because I was primed to look for romantic relationships in my reading. I've come full circle now, enjoying contemporary romance, well, just about any subgenre of romance, actually, but I am still touchy about reading sex scenes, once burned, twice shy, and all that. They can just go so, so wrong. Thanks so much for the podcast. It is really a highlight of my week, and congratulations on 200 episodes. Take care from Christine. Thank you, Christine. I'm really excited that I have 200 plus episodes because every time I type the episode number, I'm like, whoa, seriously? That's so cool. When I hit 300, I'm going to be like completely overwhelmed. I actually know exactly how you feel about sex scenes. One thing I struggle with as a reader is that if I get the sense that the the sex scene sort of pauses the momentum of the book or is becoming very clinical or, you know, insert tab A into slot B or whatever... I will start skimming them. What I love is when there is dialogue in a sex scene. If there's talking or communicating or changing of, of circumstance along with intimacy, I'm entirely there for that. And there are a few romance authors who I read knowing that when I read their books, okay, this is going to have an awesome sex scene. Like Lisa Kleypas writes great sex. Julianne Long writes great sex. The books that I've loved where there's intimacy and dialogue are my favorites. And I can understand being turned off by graphic, depressing, alienating, harmful behavior. That makes sense. I would kind of like to know, though, what the name of the books your grandma wrote were because that's so cool. I am actually plotting an upcoming episode with the adult children of a very prominent romance author to talk about their their job upholding their mom's legacy. And I'm really looking forward to it. So if you want to tell me which grandma's books were, that would be pretty awesome. Thank you so much for emailing. Okay, I have tried to record this email four separate times, and hopefully this will be the one where I get through it without laughing, but I'll do my best. Maybe I won't make it through, and you'll just get to hear me laughing and being annoyed at myself. Either way. Here we go. Dear Sarah, I really enjoyed the podcast on books that made people romance readers and ended up adding several titles to my never-ending TBR list. I found Linda's story heartbreaking and inspiring in equal measure, and kudos to her for being willing to share it. I became a romance reader at the tender age of nine. My older sister, who was a teenager at the time, had been rating my mother's extensive collection of historical romances and reading them aloud to me. <laughs> Ahem. When she got to the naughty bits, she would cover her mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when, when she got to the naughty bits, she would cover her mouth with her hand and mumble the words. And then he, and she felt herself opening like a blossom and his entered her quivering with delight, etc. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would have been so confused. And my nine-year-old, who would totally not be interested in romances, would have been yelling at me if I tried that. Anyway. Okay, <clears throat> pull myself together here. The one that piqued my interest the most was Laurie McBain's Moonstruck Madness, in which our intrepid heroine has been masquerading as a Scottish highwayman, robbing wealthy noblemen to support herself, her two siblings, and her crazy old auntie, and giving some of the surplus to the poor as one does. She, of course, ends up robbing the wrong man, a handsome duke, of course, who doesn't believe in ever giving up what is his, which eventually, of course, includes our intrepid heroine. Anyway, I had to read it for myself, not just the naughty bits, even though it was above my grade level and somewhat lengthy. I was quite proud of myself when I finished it and read my way through as much of Mom's collection as I could. Anyway, keep up the good work, Nina. Okay, that, seriously, that, that, I think that was take five or six that I could not get through this email. <laughs> the idea of mumbling the sex scenes. <laughs> I am so glad you emailed me. That was awesome. I love a good highwayman and I love a good heroine disguising herself to commit a life of crime stories. So yeah, I think I'm going to have to read that one because I don't think I have. Thank you so much for emailing me. Ready for another email? Okay, here we go. 
Hello, Sarah. First of all, thanks to you and everyone else who runs and contributes to SBTB for all your hard work and fantastic content. Well, you are very welcome. Thank you. I found Smart Bitches Trashy Books about a year ago after moving from an incredibly small southern town to a major U.S. city. The adjustment period was not a gentle one, so, of course, I turned to the internet to find community rather than talking to people in real life. What am I, an animal? Side note, why can't small towns be like the ones in romance novels? Where are all the hulking, single, military men with abs of steel? If my hometown were novelized, there would just be a lot of meth camper explosions and sitting around in the Hardy's parking lot. Anyway, stumbling upon your group of sassy, snarky, and funny romance readers made this big new city feel a little less lonely, so thank you for that. You are very welcome. Even more recently, I found the podcast and listened to it constantly. I'm always volunteering to reshelve books or run errands on campus. I'm an academic librarian because it means that for a little while, at least I'm getting paid to listen to you and all your guests talk about all the romance. And now I finally arrive at the point of this long-winded email, which is to tell you a funny story regarding your podcast and how you inadvertently haboed me. Haboed is a verb, right? Well, it is now. Dude, haboed is totally a verb. No worries. For years, I've been trying to remember the name of a book I read when I was younger. It wasn't my first romance novel by any means, three cheers for Granny's brown paper bags of Harlequins, but it was the one that made me tilt my head and say, well, hello there. I must have been 12 or 13, and I remember running across the parking lot from Wednesday church service over to the public library so I could read this book before they closed. There was no way I was actually going to check it out, God could totally see across that parking lot. I'd thought about the book on and off over the years, but all I could remember were vague details about a plane crash and a new face and the heroine getting spectacular mustache bird. My My curiosity reached a fever pitch a few weeks ago when I listened to the 200th episode about the novels that made us romance readers. So this afternoon, I've been cleaning my house while listening to an old podcast, episode 80, where you talk with Elise about romantic suspense, and lo and behold, you totally named the book Mirror Image by Sandra Brown. After I stopped dancing, I immediately ordered a copy from Amazon and hopped over to your website to say thank you for reuniting me with my long-lost book. All the best, and keep up the good work, Elle. Okay, that book is really high-grade crazy sauce. I freaking love that book, and I don't even like romantic suspense all that much. So if you're not familiar with Mirror Image, here is the complete bonkersness of it. Okay, so this woman gets on a plane, and there's some woman who looks a little bit like her, only is a lot more famous, in her seat, and she doesn't press it. She just takes that other person's seat, and somehow, in the course of events, the woman who stole her seat ends up holding her necklace or it fell off or she yanked it off her neck. I don't quite remember those details, but she ends up holding the necklace and then the plane crashes and they find the woman's body holding the necklace and assume that it's the girl who got on. And I have completely screwed this up, haven't I? Okay. Basically the plane crashes and because they've switched seats, the identification is done incorrectly because this world has no dental records or verifying um, things like that. So the woman gets the other woman's face because that's a thing. So the woman gets there. They look enough alike. The woman gets the other woman's face and she wakes up with this person's face and there's all kinds of weird shit going on and someone's trying to kill her or she's been trying to kill someone else and her accomplice is talking to her in the hospital. So then she meets her husband who isn't her husband and they're totally into each other and he thinks it's it's his uh wife who wasn't that into him and suddenly is and is interesting and seriously this book is so amazing and i've done a completely terrible job of describing it look even even zeb disagrees with my description of this book So, yes, I am really glad that you found it, and I hope that you will let us know what you think of it after rereading it, because that is some really high-grade, high-grade romantic suspense banana crackers, as Redheaded Girl would say. Thank you so much for emailing me. Okay, so this is part one of a voicemail that I've already aired, and the part two after part one got cut off. Hi, Sarah. This is Katie from New Jersey. Thank you so much for the blog and the podcast. 
thank you for taking reading seriously and pleasure seriously and reading pleasure seriously. Um, the book that made me a romance reader was Joanna Lindsay's Defy Not the Heart. Um, it would have been either the very late 80, like 89 or 90 maybe. And I was probably a romance reader already because I was really curious about romance novels and I really wanted to read one. But I was like a, you know, I was like 13, 14. And I mean, my parents wouldn't even buy me Sweet Valley High books when I was younger than that. So it was a little bit difficult to get a hold of one. Um, it's not like I had, you know, one of those mythical moms or aunts or grandmothers who, you know, had an incredible library of romance novels that I could pilfer from, like they were not available. But somehow, you know, I had some cash on hand and we were going on vacation. And so, you know, there's this concept of like things that are acceptable to read at the beach versus things that aren't, you know, you can read at the beach, but you wouldn't read in real life. And we were going to North Carolina to the beach. So I decided that I was going to buy a romance novel. So I bought Define Out the Heart uh, with a Fabio cover. Um, and I remember... I remember reading it on the beach and it being very windy. I remember that it was medieval, a medieval setting, and that at some point the hero, this is after they've had sex for the first time, but the hero goes to a prostitute to learn. To learn what? What could he learn? Lucky for us, we have the answer. Hi, Sarah. It's Katie again. Um, so sorry that I had to yet again get cut off, but I am uh, back. So, uh, Randolph goes to the prostitute to learn about how to pleasure a woman, i.e. Uh, oral sex. Um, there's probably some cuteness in his discussion with the prostitute, though, where he's like, what? They like that? Or something like that. Um, so then he proceeds to perform oral sex on uh, Raina, I believe the heroine. And of course, you know, she's blown away by it. Um, and, you know, has probably 300 orgasms. But before that, when he's first starting and kissing his way down her body, she's getting all freaked out and, and, and nervous. She doesn't know what she's doing. And, and finally she cries out, nay, Reynolds, nay, as he's uh, you know, beginning his uh, performance, and he, you know, eventually calms her down. But for some reason, that particular line has always stayed with me. The May Randolph. Um. Anyways, thank you so much for your description of the cover and that copy of Define Out the Heart because it makes me remember why I must have picked it and bought it as the you know, most out there <laughs> sort of sondriest looking, uh, you know, historical romance than on the market. And uh, thanks for your thoughts about uh, reading on the beach. Um, there was definitely judgment in my household about, you know, garbage books and you know, what sort of reading was appropriate. Um, and, it, and it didn't just have to do with you know, sexual content. It also had to do with intellectual content. So, you know, my mother also thought that science fiction was garbage and a lot of mysteries were garbage. Anyway, thank you again so much for your podcast. And have a good day. Bye-bye. I think that a ringtone of nay, Ranolf nay, would be a lot of fun. Thank you very much for calling back and letting me know specifically what he went to the prostitute for. Many people emailed and said he went to learn how to give oral sex, which I suppose is a thing that you could do. Um, the more I think about it, the more I question. But okay, I will go with it because the thing with Joanna Lindsay is you just kind of have to go with it. Nay, Ranolf nay.
Yeah. Maybe I'll just change the name of the whole podcast. Welcome to Ray, 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 Ray Nanoff Ray. That's even better. <laughs> Welcome to Nay Ranoff Nay, your host, Ranoff and Rain. But thank you very, very much for calling back. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for the compliments. I appreciate that even more. Ready for one more email? I am. So let's do this thing. This is a slightly older one, but I love it because it comes with a picture, which I will put in a podcast entry at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. Hi, Sarah. I love the site and the podcast, and I just finished listening to the interview with Mel Jolly about your RWA panels. You talked about how you love the Pilot Friction Erasable Pens. I do, too. I use them to color code my paper calendar, and they truly are erasable. This is amazing to me, since I grew up in the era where a quote-unquote erasable pen erased by putting a hole in your paper. I wanted to give you a heads up that I have read on multiple blogs, the planner planning community online is a crazy fun rabbit hole to fall down, that due to the nature of the ink, it will disappear in extreme heat, so don't leave anything important in a hot car. Also, I have to share a quick story. I listen to the podcast through the Stitcher app on my phone, which links to my car Bluetooth. As a result, some information about the podcast appears on the little entertainment screen in my car and apparently will stay there the next time the car is turned on. I learned this when my husband drove my car a few days ago and came home asking me about the Smart Bitches podcast about virtual ass. Apparently, newsletter's virtual ass is what showed up when he turned on my car, and I have attached a photo for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> Having heard my many stories about the bitches and the podcast, because I talk about you all as though we are close friends, he just thought, huh, okay, virtual ass. I will have to ask about that one. That was rather hilarious, and I had to share. <laughs> virtual ass. <laughs> None of our asses are virtual, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Finally, you recently asked listeners to let you know how they started reading romance. I grew up a voracious reader. One day, my mom started telling me about all the history in a book she was reading. She decided I was old enough to read it. I think I was 12. It was Danielle Steele's Zoya, one of her sweeping family saga books. I was hooked. I read every Steele my mom had, then moved on to her Jackie Collins and Judith Krantz. Then I realized there was a whole section of romance in the library. Woodowus and others followed. I didn't have much time to read for pleasure in college, but one summer I stumbled upon Welcome to Temptation at Target, and then I binged on every cruisy they had that week. My love affair was rekindled, and it is still going strong. Thank you for helping all of us romance readers find our tribe and so much more. I love you all. Abby J. Okay. Virtual ass. Okay, that's hilarious. I, you guys have to see this picture. It does, in fact, say newsletters and virtual ass, which makes the podcast episode sound much more salacious than it actually was. And I totally read Zoya. I wonder, actually, if Danielle Steele's publisher is eventually going to run out of colors for the cover because they're this sort of sort of 70s pastel collection of colors. If you see them all on the shelf, you'll know what I mean. I'm, and I'm kind of wondering if they're going to run out of colors at some point. As for Zoya, I remember that book. I remember so much of the history of that book. I remember the names of all of the Tsar of Russia's children because of the way that they signed their letters as Otma. Oh my gosh. What? I don't remember where my keys are. I don't remember what day it is. I don't remember what year it is. But I remember random pieces of historical nonsense from books that I read many, many, many years ago. That's so silly. I am glad that you found Welcome to Temptation and Jennifer Cruzy, though. Those are some books that stand up so well. And thank you so much for emailing me. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm watching this guy, this hipster chef, ruin a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's terrible. He's like making it stupidly fancy. And it's terrible. Don't do that. It's just peanut butter and jelly. Why would you fuck that up? Someone retweeted it and they said, I watched this whole video with so much hatred in my heart. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so tell me, what are you reading right now that you want to recommend? So there 
one that I'm currently reading and two books that I'm very excited about. Uh, so the first one, I've probably talked about it on Twitter. I've mentioned it on the site. It's uh, Royally Screwed by Emma Chase. Yes. It's just charming and fun. And it's one of those books where you're just grinning so hard. Um, it's the first book in her new series. Um, what the hell is going Oh, someone's getting towed. Um, <laughs> someone's getting towed away. <laughs> so, um, so neighbor vengeance is the yeah, best yeah. vengeance. The hero is the, this prince of a fictional modern country in Europe. And he is a jackass and like, most princes in romance are he's kind of full of himself and the heroine is kind of a down on her luck uh coffee shop owner uh it was her late mother's so she's running this family coffee shop her specialty is making bomb ass pies so lots of good pie descriptions um but this premise is is that the prince his younger brother is kind of wayward and he parties too much and he's making really bad publicity for the family and the grandmother the queen who is a badass is like listen you need to go grab your brother from partying in the states you need to come back and you need to get married so we can have some good publicity for a change and it suck when you like you lose all (laughs) of your fun because you need to get married He's like, I don't want to do any of that. Um, but he has to as, like, the heir to, you know, whatever. And um, so he goes to New York, and that's where he meets the heroine. He is drunk off of his ass and can't help himself and makes some really horrible comments to the heroine. Pretty much is like, I'll give you, you know, $20,000 if you have sex with me. And she's like, I'm not going to do that. And then she's like, well, I'll give you $5,000 if you kiss me. And she's like, you know what? Fine. I'll do that. So she goes, he closes his eyes. She goes to, oh, dogs. Zeb does not approve of this plot line. <laughs> or, or, or there's a horrible, horrible man-eating UPS truck of doom outside. <laughs> but anyway. She goes to kiss him and his eyes are closed and instead just shoves a pie right in his face. (laughs) Nice. Your bill's on the table. You know, I'm locking up. I don't want to see you here again. (laughs) So that's like their first meeting. And she doesn't recognize him for who he is. But he later comes back and apologizes, which is nice. Um, So that's what I'm reading. Um, and I'm really enjoying it, but the two books that I'm excited about that I have requested at my library, one is Written in Red, which we mentioned, we talked about earlier. I featured it on sale. I've seen it all over the The site. The cover is so good, too. I love the, like, all the, it's like painted covers. They're all beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, why don't I read this? So I picked that up today, and I'm very excited Um, and then I just heard about this book and trigger warning for any listeners, uh, but it's called the female of the species by Mindy McGinnis. It's a very dark, mature YA. Once again, I'm reiterating trigger warning. Um, but this young woman's sister was murdered and, the killer kind of goes free. So the, the heroine Alex is like, fuck that. And she winds up killing her sister's killer and she gets away with it. But because she gets away with this revenge killing, she kind of wonders like, well, if I'm going to get away with it, it like, she wonders if she can do it again. So, and there's two other characters. There's uh, a boy who's into Alex but she's very standoffish and mysterious, and he wants to know what her deal is. And then there's a, another girl named PK, who is a preacher's daughter, um, who works with Alex at the local animal shelter. So they kind of get all wrapped up together. But mainly it's, you know, Alex kind of losing her shit and kind of going a little crazy. But a lot of people say that it's 
it has dark humor. It's got a great take on like the long lasting effects of sexual assault and like a good um, discussion on rape culture. And it seems like dark and badass and very interesting. So I'm looking forward to, to getting it when it comes in at the library. But this isn't a romance. No. Oh, I was going to say, because I, I'm actually trying to put together a podcast with Elise because we've been having a conversation about rage and female rage specifically because I'm writing about that for book riot actually really Mm -hmm. that that women in romance don't get a lot of room to be really fucking angry and yet you have these books that people are just completely going absolutely bananas over that are basically women getting away with some really dastardly shit out of rage and vengeance and catharsis and so she and i are wondering is there going to be more female rage in romance because i can only count a few that i can think of where the heroine is the one with anger and and rage and completely justified fury well, the reason why I started working on this post for Book Riot is because of a promise of fire, because the heroine is so flawed and so angry, and she's not afraid in terms of a character of being like, I'm pissed off and making really poor or bad decisions because she lets her anger get to her. But I we've also talked about how both progressive romance can be kind of how very conventional and regressive romance can be. At the same time. Like, it can be doing both at the same time. And that can be really frustrating to A, negotiate, and B, try to explain. Like, yes, on one hand, you have stories that are reinforcing and upholding some very specific cultural elements that are clearly patriarchal and suppressive. And at the same time, there are ways in which that same story is undermining them. And it's really hard to explain both. I'm hoping we'll get there because in the last couple years, we've seen this sort of like darker romances where a heroine is tapping into her like darker sexual needs, Mm -hmm. um, which adds into like the progressive like sexual liberation of a of a heroine. So maybe we'll we'll get there eventually. But it is frustrating to see like like a woman embracing herself, but she's not embracing like the quote unquote, like ugly parts of herself, like the parts that she's not supposed to show as like a demure, gentle woman. Um, and that she's even not supposed to have part. those parts at all. Yeah. Where One of the reasons that I love uh, Shelley Lawrenston and G.A. Aiken is that her women have out and out rage and it's entirely justified and they're not letting go of it. And they do some ugly, awful shit. But whereas many characters in romance do things like that, more often than not, in all of the collective books that I've read, it's way more the area of the hero than the heroine to do ugly, awful shit. Yeah, because the hero is usually like the tortured one or the broken one. And the heroine is the, the healing force in the, the hero's life. And it's it's hard to find a reversal of that. Yes, yeah. So I want I want more exploration of rage in romance. And I think that if paranormal is experiencing a resurgence of popularity, it's going to be heroin-focused and it's going to be um, emotion-focused. Not because, I mean, I, I, you, your kink is your kink. It's totally cool. <laughs> I don't need to explore people's dark sexuality with them. That is not my thing. <laughs> but if you want to explore like catharsis and vengeance and rage, absolutely. I'm I am here for that part. I'm wondering if this YA might have like a, a romantic subplot because of the, the guy who's interested in Alex, but a lot of the like shelves it winds up on is like mystery thriller. So if there is any romance, it doesn't seem to be mentioned a lot. I'm trying also trying not to read a lot of like go in depth with the reviews because I want to be surprised. Right. There's some books um, where you want to walk in with no preconceived understanding of what's happening. Like, yeah. But if all. any, if anyone's interested, a lot of the reviews mean or talk about sexual assault and rape. And I think there might even be animal cruelty in the book. So oh, good gracious. 
warning to anyone interested if you are sensitive about those subjects, probably skip this one. Yeah, it's not going to make you happy. Yeah. But I, w- I was surprised because the, the cover is like bright yellow with these like illustrations of animals. Like I wasn't expecting. Like the cover <laughs> to me doesn't match the, the jacket copy. But That's a little odd. Yeah. Cool. So that's, those are my three. Zeb thinks you have more. He disagrees. Sorry, Zeb. Yeah, he's, he's, I made the mistake of putting a chair near the front window so he can see all the things that happen <laughs> out front. But when anything is outside of the realm of the acceptable, I hear about it. There's a, there's a squirrel. It's on our lawn. <gasps> I took my, or actually Eric took my AC unit out of my window. I didn't take it out. Um. But now that there's another free window to sit in, the house cat needs it open and for her viewing pleasure in case she wants to look at the driveway. For It's kitty television. It's a new station. It's like she got a yeah. cable package upgrade. So I'm when I'm the only one home, I have to go around and open all the windows in the house <laughs> in the morning. Or the cat will be like, what is this crap? Yeah. She'll <laughs> go around meowing like, all right, bird, I will open the windows. We are a slave to this house cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will get yelled at very soon. Uh, you notice that there's a sweatshirt on the futon of concealment. That's because I took it off and then I went to put it back on and it was no longer mine. No. No, it's, it's their sweatshirt now. You have to wait until he's ready to let you have it again. Yes, and it's been two days. <laughs> oh so it's no longer my sweatshirt. It is probably their sweatshirt almost entirely. And that is all for this week's random miscellaneous fun episode i hope you enjoyed this as much as i did i want to thank amanda and kendall kushali christine nina l and abby and everyone who has emailed or called or left a voicemail i really love hearing how much you enjoy the podcast and i've noticed that there are more reviews of the show that's so great thank you very much for reviewing the show and letting other people know how much you enjoy it I would also like to invite you to take a look at the podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash smartbitches because if you become a supporter of the show at any level, dollar a month, three dollars, five, whatever, I leave messages for podcast patrons about upcoming interviews and inviting them to ask questions and give me comments to pass along. Like, for example, I have an upcoming recording with Loretta Chase, so... Podcast patrons get to find out early what interviews are coming and give me questions they are dying to ask. So if you had a look at the podcast Patreon page, thank you very much. And if you are a supporter, please, please share your questions and ideas with me because that's awesome. And even if you're not and you have ideas or questions or you want to tell me about the book that made you a romance reader, you can email the show at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a voicemail at 1-201-371-3272. I do have a question for you to consider. Are you ready? Are you listening? Okay. How do you listen to the podcast? Do you listen on your phone? Do you listen on an iDevice? Do you have an app that you really dig? Do you use Pocket Cast or Stitcher or Podburner? Like what is your favorite way to listen to podcasts? How do you listen to the show? I would like to know. I am putting together an entry to share how to access podcasts with people who have emailed me and said, I don't know how to do this. This sounds really cool. What do I do? If you would like to tell me how you listen to the show, that would be most excellent. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can email me at sarah at smartpitchestrashybooks.com if that's easier to remember. It all ends up in the same place. I've got like nine email addresses. I would love to know how you listen to the show. And if you do listen, and obviously you do because you're hearing my voice right now, thank you. You are awesome. And speaking of awesome, did you know we have an iBooks page? It's really cool. iBooks.com slash DBSA. You will find most recent episodes along with links to the books we've discussed in the iBookstore if that is where you like to shop. It's pretty rad, so please do have a look. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is Caravan Palace. This track is called Cottonheads, and it's from their album Panic, which you can find at Amazon or iTunes or wherever you buy your music. I have links to the music and to all the books that we discuss, plus some of the pictures and videos we mentioned at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. If you make purchases through the site, you are contributing to the upkeep and maintenance of the site through the affiliate linking, which is so very much appreciated. 
And if you'd like more options to support the podcast, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone here, including Seb, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend. Thank you.